thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome to The Real Food Reel. Today on the show I speak with Jamie Edwards, a degree qualified exercise scientist, full-time professional coach and aspiring professional triathlete. Jamie has gradually evolved his nutrition over the last year, moving away from a traditional sports nutrition model and today on the show we share his story. Hi Jamie and thanks for being a part of The Reel. Hey Steph, you're welcome, thank you. It's great to have you here. I'd love you to start from the beginning and share with us your story and and certainly how you've gotten to what you're doing today. Yeah, okay. Well, I won't go back too far um, and I'll I'll keep it uh, centred around nutrition, but I've probably been in the sport of triathlon for seven or eight years now and just sort of progressed from when I was um, sort of 16, 17, just dipping my toes in right through to now, obviously being quite heavily involved in the sport. Um, It's also my career now. Um, in terms of nutrition and the way I'm eating day to day, as well as, um, in terms of fueling my training and racing, it's probably evolved, um, quite dramatically in the last six to 12 months that started with, um, I think I started doing research after doing a bit of a, uh, reading a blog from Sammy Inkinen, um, who actually stars on, in the serial killers movies, which I'm sure your listeners are aware of. Um, and that sort of got me thinking and I started doing more research and, um, you know, gathering information and, on high-fat, low-carb living and um, real, real eating with real, real food and um, fueling with real food. So that gets me to the point where I am now where I've probably been eating a higher-fat, lower-carb um, diet, if I don't really like the word diet, but that's, you know, that's the way I'm eating um, for the last six months. Um, so for me, that, that involved quite a, as I said, a drastic change from what you called the traditional nutrition model, which is, you know, what, how I grew up or what I grew up learning, what I learned through school and through uni, um, and early days in my triathlon coaching as well, which was obviously the higher carbohydrate content. You need carbohydrate, especially if you're an endurance athlete. And I never really thought twice about it until I sort of saw that stuff from Sammy Inkinen and Ben Greenfield, Tim Reed, yourself, Steph, um, on, I guess, another way of doing it. And hadn't really paid much attention to that side of things up until, um, yeah, as I say, the last 12 months. Um, And now I've really got right into it and, um, you know, tried a few things and approached it with a bit of an open mind and brings me to where I am now, really. Yeah, awesome. I love that story that you certainly decided to step outside the norm and and challenge what we have been told. I have a similar undergraduate degree to you and I certainly know what the education and what the curriculum is still still teaching us. So it's great that we can now extend our research beyond there and, and start to sort of really look at what we actually need as endurance athletes. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, I think uh, there's still a lot of it which is, I guess, more mainstream in that traditional view. But as, as you know, as a lot of your listeners will know, the research to support, I guess, the, the approach I'm now taking, what you take now, it, it stems back over 30 years, but it's just been lost amongst um, you know, mainstream media and marketing and that type of thing. Whereas now more and more people are, I guess, uh, approaching it with a bit of an open mind and realizing that it actually makes, makes logical sense. Um, to you know, look at other options, um, and that's all it really is. And I, I won't be, I, I won't be forcing anyone to, or, or you know, for example, my the athletes I coach, I don't, I don't tell them how they should eat. But if they come to me and say, "Hey, I'm hearing about this. What do you know?" I like to be able to go, "Well, actually, I've done a lot of research, and this is what I'm trying myself. You can give it a go. It, uh, I believe in it." Um, but for the others who aren't interested, I'm, it's, I'm not going to force their hands. So I, I guess, yeah, the message is I'm, I'm not going to force anyone to, to do it just because I do it. But um, it's good to be able to have another option. And, you know, as more and more people read about it and hear about it, um, be able to sort of delve a little deeper. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I think you're really a good interesting, example. actually. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're a good example of, of N equals one, which is exactly what it should be. Exactly, you know, yeah. None of us are saying that everyone should do it, but it certainly is providing the information and, you know, for some people it is the approach that they certainly need to solve, whether it's metabolic issues or body compositional goals or certainly if they've got like a pre-diabetic state, which we see in um, endurance athletes that have, you know, that, that have been following a more traditional model for a long period of time if the genetics are geared that way. So, yeah, I think that's a really great way to look at it. And I wanted to know, was there a, a sort of a light bulb moment or a catalyst personally other than doing research? Had a race gone wrong or did you have any sort of reason to question what you were doing? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say it was a one-off light bulb moment, but as I said, I think it was, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a blog from Sammy, Sammy Inkerman, mm. um, who is a... Um, what, what would you call him, an entrepreneur, and endurance athlete, born in Sweden who owns companies in, in America, but um, he's actually been to Kona a few times, um, very good endurance athlete, and he just has a blog that I, I just came across, I don't, I don't know how. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure that was what sort of started me thinking, and then the more I looked into it, um, the, the more I found, found you know, other similar articles and anecdotal evidence, and then from that, I, I started seeing the science behind it as well. Um, but for me, it's, it wasn't necessarily a performance. Um, I wasn't looking for a performance benefit. It was just a, around trying to be healthier in my day-to-day life, uh, which I'd always done and always thought I'd done. But just, just it all just stemmed from that as just being, a, I guess, a, a little bit cliche, but a better version of myself. Um, so, you know, I'm always, I'm always sort of reading, um, articles and, and researching the science and, you know, keeping an open mind, you know, nutrition is one example, but there's, there's many other things, you know, like, uh, training methods and sample sessions and so a vast array of things. So that was all, that, that's what it stemmed from. It was, it was triggered by a blog post. Uh, which led to research, and then I thought, "Hang on, this actually makes logical sense." And then it was about um, just being being healthier in in day to day life, and 
essentially living longer and um, you know being better as I get into as I get older and older. That's, yeah, that's all absolutely. it really was. I think I think Sammy is certainly a good example because he does race at a very top end. He is a you know a top level age grouper, um, and yeah. as you said, a very good endurance athlete. I know you're doing quite well for yourself. Um, certainly being even close to breaking four hours and a half Ironman is pretty impressive in my book. So it's a good example that this can work for those at the top end. And I get questions around this nearly every day. For example, I was teaching the sports nutrition for the level one triathlon Victoria coaches on the weekend. And Mm -hmm. one of the big questions I got was, do I work with elites and does this work for the top end? And I certainly think um, it can. And I love that there are people out there like yourself and certainly Sammy and even the Australian cricket team who just won the World Cup Cup doing LCHF are some fantastic examples of how it can apply to, you know, basically all levels of capability and fitness. Yeah, that's right. What I like about it, so for me, it wasn't to try and um, better my performance, but if and when I do start getting performance gains from it, um, when I start maybe when I start measuring these types of things, then then that's awesome. But it was it was purely about just being healthier and um, you know cutting out processed food and and having you know getting more and more real food in there. Um, and then also, you know, I guess as a byproduct of that, cutting out refined sugar and carbohydrate and, and putting fat, uh, putting in place um, some good fats. Um, so it was just about being healthy. But for other people, um, it might be about uh, losing weight or they might have another goal. And, uh, you know, I think the more research you do, the more you realise that it, it's not just performance benefit. Um, there's there's just the health benefits and obviously there's research out there about um, reducing inflammation which has um, implications for cancer patients and diabetes patients and there's a vast array so I've, I think that's it's quite fascinating just just how much you can do with it if you if you're willing to sort of just challenge the norm and approach it with an open mind and, and um, you know regardless of what your goal is you could probably um, probably benefit from changing the way you eat and what you put in your mouth. Yeah, absolutely. I think the inflammation is a big one because athletes are particularly geared towards performance. So if we can spread the message that cutting the refined carbohydrates certainly decreases the inflammation, which gets you back out training better and being able to handle the demands of, say, endurance training, I think that's a fantastic why which some people certainly need to make change, particularly when it is going to be significant for some athletes that come from a high-carb traditional model. Mm-hmm. And certainly I'm getting a lot of older athletes that are coming to me to address that health concern that you mentioned and ex- um, certainly extend their longevity in the support, which you know, being anti-inflammatory, preventing injuries and looking at your overall health profile is certainly relevant too. Yeah, definitely, yep. Absolutely. Cool. So let's talk the practical stuff. Share with us some of your day-to-day nutrition strategies and what do you feel um, were the major changes you made? Okay, I'll, um, I'll proceed answering that question with um, a bit of an overview of how I used to eat and how I used to fuel. Great. Um, as, we, as, as we mentioned before, it was, it was much more of a traditional uh, yeah, I suppose that's what we call it, a traditional model of fueling. It was very high carbohydrate, um, very low fat. We, I certainly have 
live so far in the era era where it's you know fat is bad, fat's no good for you, fat will make you fat. Um, and as I said before, that's um, yeah mainstream media, but also through my education um, as well. It was you know carbohydrate for fueling for sport, uh, especially for endurance sports. So. I would. I had a very high carbohydrate diet and very low in fat. You know, it was always lean meats and um, low fat milk and that type of thing. And I would have cereal uh, multiple times a day. I'd have, I'd have probably six to eight slices of bread a day. I'd be eating some sort of rice or pasta with with most meals. So traditional, yeah, you know, just just relatively high carbohydrate diet. And then what I did is I didn't go right. I'm starting high fat, low carb on Monday, um, you know, get rid of all my carbohydrate in the pantry and go from there. I started making small changes. So I started t- cutting out a, a bowl here and there of cereal. I started trying to cut back from, say, eight slices of bread to four. And this this was over a period of months. Um, and then I started introducing um, introducing more fats, um, yeah, so a lot of eggs and, and that type of thing. Um, and then to a point now where I, you know, to give an example, um, I'm, only, I'm probably having, I'm still having some carbohydrate. Um, you know, for example, I might have a couple of slices of bread with some um, organic peanut butter and banana, but that would that might happen. You know, in a 48-hour period, I'll only have two slices, um, which is uh, drastically different to to what it was, um, say, eight months ago, six months ago. Um, so, so now, yes, as I say, I'm, um, yeah, much lower carbohydrate. Um, I'm not eating, not eating much rice and the rice I am eating is brown rice, for example. I'm hardly eating any pasta, um, no cereal. Um, and then the other, the other small changes I started making were things like, you know, going from skim milk to full cream milk, um, you know, and, and things of that nature. So I guess to reiterate what I said at the start is I didn't suddenly go, oh, this is for me, I'm going to give it a go and go bang and start and jump straight in. I started making small manageable changes um, over periods of weeks and weeks, months and months to get to the point where I am now. And I guess I'm still experimenting and playing around with things um, at this point in time and probably will continue to do so. Um I wasn't doing it for any health reasons, you know. I wasn't I wasn't pre-diabetic as far as I knew. I wasn't having really poor performances or anything like that. Um, but I certainly do feel like I'm I am healthier now, and I think it, part of that is just from eating um, fresher, more whole food, foods, and as I said before, cutting out the car, the processed foods. So there's, you know, probably subconsciously not getting those chemicals in there and things that after I've done a lot of research, I realized were probably doing me damage. Um, so, but it wasn't like I was feeling crap to begin with and now I feel awesome. Um, but I certainly, now that I've made the changes, I, I, I do feel better for it. Yeah, that's great to hear. And what about the initial phase? It may have been too gradual to notice, but I'm interested was there an adaptation phase or any withdrawals or any symptoms that you can attribute to making that change? 
Yeah, I was looking out for the, um, I guess, that slump, that four- to six-week slump, which is sort of what is, um, you know, what has been um, written. You have a four- to six-week window while your body adapts. So I was looking out for that. Um, and I think, as you say, because it was so gradual, I never really got that where I felt really flat and really ordinary because I did it over a long period of time. Uh, but I certainly, um, certainly... I guess I wouldn't call them withdrawals, but I certainly found myself um, wanting to eat certain types of food. And I think it wasn't necessarily that my body was craving it, but it was more that it was a habit. Um, for example, one of my go-tos was, um, you might laugh at this, peanut butter and Nutella on on white bread. And I used to love that. I used to eat that in, in bucket loads. <laughs> um, and so, you know, making, you know, it would have, that was a go-to real quick snack, pre-training, post-training, because I was hungry, whatever it might be. Um, so I found myself still wanting to eat that, but I don't think it was necessarily my – it was more of a habit than my body really withdraw, having withdrawals from from those foods. Um, so, yeah, no, no slump um, because it was so gradual, but certainly even, even now probably still um, – you know, here and there, um, if if I do if I do eat something that I you know used to eat fairly regularly, I'll go. Oh, I, rem- I remember this is really nice. This is really tasty, and, and um, might want might want a little bit more. But all in all, uh, to answer your question, not really. And I think that was purely because it was such a gradual um, changeover, which is still going really. Yeah, I think that's a great answer and certainly um, important to identify the habitual side of the coin because we know how huge that is with food and emotions and certainly the justification that I can eat X because I've done this session or burnt this many calories. We need to really be mindful of that Um, Mm. and certainly it's the consistency moving away from those habits that helps create that long-term change. Yeah, yeah, I I would tend to agree, yeah. And look, as I said before, I I never really worried about it. I'm I'm quite lean naturally and I'm lucky like that Um, and I'm naturally quite quite low body fat and always trained quite consistently so never really had to worry about, like I could could eat what I want really, I I think in terms of not having weight gain or all that type of thing Um, but as I said, for me, it was about what was going on inside as well, not so much what was uh, superficial. So I think that's a good point that you made there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that internal health that's really important to consider because I think, you know, we have to factor in the metabolic and hormonal changes as we age. So setting up some fantastic foundations now is really important. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So let's talk fueling in terms of, say, training and racing. Have you made some changes there and would you like to share maybe what you do on race day and in the lead up to? Yep. Yeah, I can do that. Um, I'll start with just a quick overview of day to day. So what I've been doing, um, what I do now is most days I train fasted in the morning. I usually train every morning regardless and then obviously some afternoons I train as well. But what I've found is I cope really well with um, training fasted so um, my first session of the day is nearly always in a fasted state and unless it's sort of over probably two or three hours which is that isn't happening a lot at the moment to be quite honest I won't take any carbohydrate out with me 
Um, but if I do have a like a really long or I'm doing a really long session or I'm doing a, a really race-specific session and the race I'm training for I will be fueling with carbohydrate, then I will take, I will take some out. And the other thing I'm doing is um, periodizing my carbohydrates. So, it, for example, if I train in the morning um, and then I'm eating breakfast or a, a post-training meal, um, especially if it's uh, it was intense or I've got another session later on in the day, I'll, that's when I'll have some carbohydrate in, in that meal. So, for example, um, that uh, two slices of bread with organic peanut butter and some banana, that's, that's probably, that'll be part of my post-training meal, especially if it was intense or I've got another session coming up. And then in terms of day-to-day, it's, um, it's certainly not high-fat, low-carb, real strict, but it's definitely much higher fat and definitely lower carb than what I was doing. Now, in terms of um, race day nutrition and leading into race day, um, I'm lucky enough to work with um, 32GI, which you may or may not have heard of. Um, one of their founders, Mark Wolf, is actually a big advocate of high fat, low carb, and has been living that way for fifteen or twenty years. So, when I first found them, I was quite confident that it was a, a good product that I was putting into my body. Um, and then, the more and more I've got into it, I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm quite confident in, in, you know, he's using natural ingredients where he can, and because he's such an advocate for it himself. Um, um, I'm quite confident the product he's using is is one of the better ones out there. So plus I uh, plus I, I love it. So you know, got good flavours. I can find a good combination of bars and and powders that that work for me. Um, so I fuel with 32GI, um, but I guess the most recent long course race I've done, which was Auckland 70.3 in, in January. That was the first race I'd done with, you know, after adopting the higher fat, lower carb lifestyle. Um, so the main changes were there was absolutely no carb load, which I had kind of weaned off anyway, just because I didn't think it worked for me. Um, so there was definitely no um, carb load, and I was eating higher fat, low carb, just leading in all the way through all my training sessions, right, right through race week. I did sip on some 32GI um, Endure, which is their low GI product. They have a high GI and a low GI product, um, but that was that was as much for fluid and electrolytes um, and to keep it normal from what I've done in, in previous races. And then actually on race day, I adopted – I still fueled with carbohydrate, um, so I guess you could say it was a train low, high – um, race high method, um, but I also trialed uh, using one of their um, food bars for the first time. So I was trying trying different things on race day, and I didn't want to change too much. Yeah. But I was already I'd already um, it was drastically different in my in my, all my training and definitely in race week. So for example, I, w- I would typically, you know, a typical triathlete would uh, probably attest to this. They go out for, you know, pasta, pizza, dinner the night before, whereas the day before, all I had other than my, 
you know, sipping on my 32 GI throughout the day. I, um, I ate normally, um, well, what is normal now for me. So I think I had a, I think I had like a chicken salad for dinner that night, um, which would, which as I said, was, was much different to what I would, what I would usually do. And how'd the race and go? Answer the question you're asking. Sorry, I got a bit carried away. <laughs> no, that, that, that's good. And how was the race? Did you perform well? Yes. Now, I, I, I did perform well. I certainly didn't have any um, bonking or anything like that in terms of my fueling. I was slightly underdone in terms of my training performance. Um, the, basically, the last six, eight weeks didn't quite go as I'd, I'd planned or how or I didn't quite tick as many boxes as, as I would like to have leading into a 70.3 race. So it wasn't, I guess, the overall time, but time I was chasing. But I think I, I realised that I was going to be underdone leading into the event early enough for me to get my head around that and to approach it differently. Um, and so with my new goals with you know, in the way that I then approached the race differently, I was I was actually happy with my performance. And as I said, certainly no no issues with the with fueling or anything like that. I was actually quite happy and I'm I'm going to stick with um, using the the food food bar, which I used for the first time, first time I'd ever used a solid in any race. Um, so I'll stick with that, and over time now I'll start um, just slowly reducing um, the, the amount of carbohydrate I take, even on race day. So I'll, um, I'll I'll just keep experimenting that with that in training, nice. and basically try and reduce my reliance on carbohydrates. I love that. I think N equals one and you have to turn yourself into a bit of a science experiment to get yeah. it right. So I can't wait to see your progression there and I'm sure we'll um, be able to follow that online. Yeah, well, as I said, if I get some performance benefits as well, which may or may not be the case, but if I start to seeing that as well, then that's a bonus for me. So as I say, it wasn't, wasn't the reason why I did it. I, didn't, I wasn't in an absolute flat spot and go, oh, well, I've exhausted all other avenues. What can I try? Um, but if, if if that's a byproduct of it, then even better, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. So I'd like to change focus just a little bit to ask you some questions that we ask all of our guests on the Real Food Reel, just mm-hmm. so we can have a look at you know what you do day to day and and certainly mm-hmm. what you're up to. But mm-hmm. could you summarise for us what your number one piece of nutrition advice is? Oh, it's. Uh... I probably couldn't pinpoint it into one thing, but I can certainly say, which we've already discussed um, today, but I think you've you've got to find what works for you Um, and that might mean that you've got to be open-minded and and think for yourself and think outside the square. That said, I think it helps if you've got people um, around you that you can trust and you can bounce ideas off. Um, The big one is probably... If you are looking for a change, you know, if, it, if you're one person going, well, I think I can feel better or I want to lose weight or um, I think my nutrition is what's letting me down, then challenge yourself and your beliefs and um, maybe get out and try try those things. I'll be, I'll be honest, when I first heard our low-carb diet, I, I was a little bit dismissive and I'd always been a skeptic of diets and fad diets and, you know, I'll try this do this or every, every month there was a, a better way to eat and drink whereas I would always go on well if you just eat balanced then you're going to be better off so I think you know it, 
I've, I, I had to challenge myself and, you know, it took a little bit of convincing, but I've done that and then I, I've actually seen the light in some ways. So <laughs> I think de- definitely if you're, tr- if you're looking for a change and, and you're looking for something better, then, then you might have to step outside what you believe in and that's okay. And you might fail and that's good or you might, you, you know, you might find that, no, that, that's not actually working for me and, and you have to go somewhere else. Um, so I think, I think that's probably what I would, my advice around it would be you've got to find out what works for you um, and sometimes that means you have to think for yourself and, and challenge the norms and especially if you're looking for change, then, then, then why not? You've got, you've got nothing to lose. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, now, so you've mentioned a couple of the meals that you like to eat, but can you share with us what a day on your plate looks like? Yeah. Um, so as I said before, I'm, I'm doing, I nearly, I train just about every morning. Um, sometimes that's early and sometimes that's later in the morning, uh, depending on the flexibility that I have around my day or whether I'm going to a squad session or anything like that. But I, I will generally, I'd say nine times out of ten, I am training faster in the morning. And then, again, as I mentioned before, if I've got, if it was a super hard or, or super intense or quite long or I've got another session later in the day, I'll probably have my go-to a um, couple of slices of, of bread um, with peanut butter and banana. So get some carbohydrate in that, in in to the body uh, and I'm actually finding that was something I experimented with I'm actually finding that does make a difference for just my um, my hunger later in the day um, and then main meals will be um, something like a set like a tuna salad with just mixed raw veggies in there so you know carrot cucumber capsicum all those types of things, just a general mixed salad. Um, and then often I'll add something like tuna to that. Um, or an evening meal uh, might be some meat, which would usually have been lean meat, but now I'm not so fussy with that type of thing. Um, and I fill my plate with veggies of just just various vegetables. Um, so there's sort of the main meals. It's, it's either a, a large chunk of it will either be salad or vegetables, and then the rest will be some sort of meat. Uh, the big change there is I've, I've cut out carbohydrate where I'd usually have you know, potato or you know some sort of chips or rice or pasta with, with most main meals, whereas that's gone now. Um, and in terms of snack, um, the bread with Nutella is gone and um, I'm eating a lot of nuts. I'm eating um, cheeses. And things like that, which I would I would never touch in the past. Um, and the other big one that I'm eating a lot of, which I mentioned before, is stuff like eggs. You know, eggs and bacon, sort of a breakfast type meal. Especially if um, I'm not having um, a high high carbohydrate meal that I eat post training. Um, a big go to now, and and the good thing is you have it breakfast, lunch, or dinner is you know, some sort of eggs and bacon. So it might be an omelette with some mushroom and tomato in, in it or it might just be purely making a, you know, making a veggie breakfast at home with spinach, mushrooms, tomato, maybe some beans, avocado, 
um, and eggs. I'm eating a lot of eggs now. Very good. Lots of simple, great meal ideas there. So mm. it certainly doesn't need to be complicated, which I think is, you know, a big part of the message that we want to spread. Yeah, as I said, uh, I wouldn't touch avocado. I'd hardly eat eggs. And that, some of that was just, I just didn't have them in the house. And some of it was, you know, I thought I didn't like them. Whereas now I've, you know, for example, the nuts now, I started off just trying um, different nuts here and there. And then I decided I liked, really liked cashews and macadamias and then started trying trail mix. And now I actually realized that they're all not bad at all. And, and the bonus is when you like something and it's good for you. So, yeah, a lot of different changes. But as you said, it's, it's, not, um, it's not overly difficult stuff. It's, it's quite simple. It's quite easy to prepare. So it, it works and it's good. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm. Now what's next for Jamie Edwards? Have you got some races coming up and <laughs> what else have you got on the plate for 2015? Okay, so in terms of sport and training, I'll, I'll continue to train and um, try and improve week to week, month to month, just like everyone else, and, and enjoy what I'm doing. Um, I've got an Olympic distance race coming up in a couple of weeks here in Melbourne, um, and then I'll do a winter of, a, of run focus and run racing, which is similar to what I did last year, um, and I'm just trying to finalise my race, well, not finalise it, um, but I'm, I'm just looking into my race calendar in terms of triathlons for next season. Um, looks like it'll be predominantly long course and 70.3 focused again, but I haven't actually locked in any races just yet. The only one that's probably a, a hot favourite at the moment is um, a 70.3 branded event like Ballarat because I would like to keep my options open to possibly go to the Sunshine Coast for the 70.3 Age Group Worlds, which are in 2016. Yeah, that's um, yeah. Um, In terms of nutrition, I'll keep uh, doing what I'm doing, keep trying new things, um, keep keeping myself educated, keep my head in the research. Um, and as I've mentioned to you, Steph, I'm actually looking to see if there's a course out there that I could do um, to become qualified and further expand my knowledge but I'm looking for one that is obviously adopts or a little bit more open-minded and adopts the um, philosophies that we've been discussing today because uh, I don't know how I'd go going into more of a mainstream uh, nutrition course just so I could get the qualification Um, and then from a coaching point of view I just um, do my best to uh, help my athletes and anyone else who's interested to do their best and find their best, whatever that may be. Um, and if if that means helping them explore high-fat, low-carb and real food options, then I'm certainly open to doing that and, would, as I said, would really like to um, explore being more involved from a nutrition point of view, which is already a big part of the job, obviously, but it's... Um, it's changing and adapting with the times now and with, with the information that's presented to me. Yeah, that's all fantastic. Yeah, so there's a bit going on, but it's, you know, just I'll just um, keep doing what I'm doing, really. Yeah, spot on. Love your work. So before mm. we wrap up today, can you share with us where our listeners can find you? Yes, of course. Um, 
So obviously I'm a triathlon coach, which I think you mentioned at the top of the interview. Um, so I'm working with ETPA, Elite Triathlon Performance Australia. So you can find me and the other coaches and a little bit about us and our athletes on etpa.com.au, all lowercase. And of course we have a Facebook page and a Twitter page, which you can search for as well. And then me personally, I, I actually have my own Facebook page, which is Jamie Edwards Triathlon, um, and a website or blog, um, which I share um, race reports and uh, some, some little bits about my athletes. And recently I've been sharing a little bit on um, my, my changes in, in my diet and my eating and some of the research I've been doing. Um, so that is jamieedwardstriathlon.com. There's a few places to find. So it's etba.com.au or jamieedwardstriathlon.com. And then there's accompanying Facebook pages as well. Excellent. All those links will be in the show notes team. So go and check out more about Jamie and ETPA. Thanks so much for your time, Jamie. It was great to chat. And I'm sure you and I will catch up again soon. No worries, Steph. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.